Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. going to wind down a series this morning that's really been enjoyable for me, and the word enjoyable is interesting, because um, I want to end with an attribute that is probably one of the most misunderstood, misdirected, and everything else. And for most cases, it isn't even called an attribute of God, but it is an attribute of God. Um, Little is said in commentaries about this attribute, which is the joy of God. Um so misunderstood. Um, so here, I have an oxymoron for you. I want us to take a serious look at joy. And not our joy, the joy of God. Really, uh, little is known about it, and often religious people don't experience it. And that's sad, speaking of joy. Uh, It's been disputed, uh, at times scorned. And then the reason it gets scorned is like there's parts of the church that have turned it into something through ecstatic human joyfulness that it's not. And that I have to say that I've been in meetings where I was as skeptical as anybody else and went, that's not God. You know, and people just got goofy with the joy, and it was human laughter. And there's nothing wrong with human laughter, but to say that was God, I don't know. Now, could it have been God? Yes. But the difficulty with it is it actually stole true joy from other people who were trying to understand. Um, I don't know if you've had this. I've prayed about it so many times, said, Lord, I want to know what that joy is. And we have ideas, and we have limited understanding, but I will tell you this. I believe with all my heart that God is joy, just as much as God is love. And just as much as God is grace, and God is mercy, and all the other attributes In God, there is a joy. I think one of the reasons that we struggle with experiencing what that joy is differently than what God's grace is or what God's mercy is, is because of the amount of suffering and the hardships that we see in this life. Um, Vast amounts in this present darkness. And we are, in the, we are in the days of Hebrews 2. Where it says, and I think every believer rides in the tension of this. We see everything subject unto God, under his feet. He has conquered everything. At the cross he said it's finished. And the writer of Hebrews says not yet. It is. And it's not completely full yet. And that fullness, because of the pain, suffering, and this present darkness, 
sin did not die at the cross, Jesus did. We would all account and say very much so, sin's unfortunately alive and ugh, even hate to use that term, well on the earth. Um, and, it, and, uh, and so it's hard to imagine a God full of joy when there's this amount of suffering in, in each life. And I think it's really kind of related to wisdom in the book of James because it's, the joy of God is different than other joys that we have. Just like there are other wisdoms. So James 3 says there's, there's four kinds of wisdom. He says there's earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom. And then there's a wisdom that descends from above. It's godly wisdom. I think the same thing's kind of true of joy. There's joy in a baseball game, and there's nothing wrong with watching it, especially when the Royals can win. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the joy of God. That's an earthly joy. That's a, a temporary joy. But it's not that deep, deep joy that we all know there's something there, and if I could tap into that... Uh, and then there's also this distortion, and it has to do with humor. Most of our humor or comedy today is steeped in human foible and sinful ineptitude and honestly disgusting humor, either potty humor or weird sexual humor, sensual humor, and it, it's not doesn't have anything to do with joy. And I will tell you this, because God doesn't suspend one attribute to enact another, the holiness of God is deep joy to him. And deep joy is holy to God. So different than the things that we find as funny, but funny is different than joy. Funny has to do with humor, but they're related. I like a laugh, a really good laugh. I hate most jokes. I don't find jokes all that funny usually because usually they're a put down of something or someone or an error that happened out of tune or out of place. And there's nothing wrong with jokes. If somebody can tell, you know, I, I just watched a series, a PBS series, an old one on the life of Mark Twain and there was nobody or the... <laughs> Nobody that's followed since that time that had more wit and understanding of words and human foible than that man. And I've, I've quoted, you know, one of, my, one of the quotes I love the best was, well, he was a good man in the worst sense of the word. And you go, yeah, I understand that. Uh, and he had a way with words, but that's really not, that's another, it's an earthly joy. It's not God joy. Do we need to laugh at ourselves? Yeah. Are you able to do that? Mm, I'd rather laugh at you. <laughs> and see you make the mistakes. But I would tell you this, somebody that does learn 
to laugh at themselves and see their mistakes and not think more highly of themselves than others or make their self a distraction or a disruption to other people. That's an incredible high lofty thing within the joy of God. So I want to look at some perspectives on joy. If you notice, perspective is a favorite word of mine. And this is a scripture that is known so well, and yet it's the only scripture like it, and it's one we like to borrow uh, from the old covenant and pull into the new, and it's one that the independent or charismatic or spirit-filled churches use for this. This is one of the first scriptures I ever heard, and we even sang songs about it that I didn't like. Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah, it says this, they are rededicating the temple after after being in captivity in Babylon. They get sent back. They're rebuilding the temple. They're reading the the word. And as they read the word, it's such a momentous occasion that people are weeping and crying. But they're also happy and they're happy tears and they're joyful tears. And it says this in Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. They're going to make merry. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is my... I never liked that song. Because One of the reasons is because I didn't think it tapped into what it was really saying. Human joy is one thing. For you and I to have a good time and make merry, God doesn't see anything wrong with that. But this is talking about the joy of the Lord. Not the joy that they felt of being in the Lord and having restoration. But Nehemiah was saying such a a thing of such depth And if you will, heaviness, it was heavy because it's talking about a joy that God has. It's not the joy of what they felt in restoration. He says the joy of the Lord, his joy that he was having in seeing what was occurring would be their strength. A strength that that would enter into their bone of bones and do something in them that they were seeing something that they thought impossible. A restoration, a renewal, a reframing, a life in God. Most of the scriptures are placed in a position that the joy is our joy. And actually, the joy here is something, you have to understand, this is an attribute. God isn't acting joyful, God is joyful inside of him. And that's what we, it's hard to tap into, because we don't understand it. I think it brings up this issue, actually, the reason I said perspective is it brings up ideas centered in how we view God. So I want to read a scripture to you. 
And we're going to do a little exercise, a little imagination experience. So I'm going to read a scripture to you about God. And I want you to think about what pops into your mind as I say it. It's in the New Testament. But listen, so shut your eyes. Everybody. Now to the King Eternal, immortal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What did you see? Amen. What did you see? A king. When you picture the king, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who returns to rule the earth and rule and reign, now let me ask you another question. Was he smiling? If he was, that's pretty unusual. One, because of the artwork that we have through the ages. So this was supposed to be majestic scriptures. And majesty didn't include joy. Majesty included a serious note. If you look, if you look at the old uh, Byzantine era uh, mosaics, have you ever seen those of Christ? And he's always looking down at you like this. He has like this stern look on his face where you're getting the image of here's God looking down at me. And there's not a smile there. And there's not a lot of joy. If you do a painting of him returning to the earth on his white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, there's no laughter. It's, oh, buddy, watch out. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong, but it's hard. Do you see, it's hard for us to picture a God of joy. It's hard for us. Now, this is where it gets really personal. If I asked you to do the exercise again and I started talking about the sweet Lord that loves you, would you see somebody smiling and happy over your life? Thank God if you have that. Many dear saints who have gone before did not experience what you're experiencing. Many, 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 many of them. That's why there's so little written about the joy of God. So little emphasis on that picture. We never say, Jesus Christ, the King of joy. And then we wonder why it's hard to find joy. And then we get goofy with it when we get in touch with our humanness and make it something it's not in weird charismatic meetings. Uh, does that mean that none of it was? Excuse me, I'm a little stumbly this morning. <laughs> no, don't do that to me. That was naughty. I'm going to get you back because I got the microphone. I love you. You're my best bud. Listen, how, how do we tap into this? To 
two really keen, uh, again, I'm going to use the word posit, uh, uh, position, regarding joy in, that are found in the new covenant, because it's there, and when you begin to explore it, um, you can imagine, and so I've been actually studying this for weeks, but this came to a head this week, and I'm studying this joy. Guess what is so hard to find this week? I hurt my finger, nothing went right. It was just, you know, everything that the enemy tries to work in us through this life and even the hardships is designed to try and steal that ability to tap into God's joy because it is a strength. So it's just like I had to fight for joy. It wasn't one of those, if you want joy, you can shout for it. It was nothing of that. It was like, mm. And I would just have to keep going. I said, God, I trust you in this. You're, you're gonna, you, want to, you want to, for your sake, with being your pastor, whatever that means, pastor is a function. But it's just like I had to battle through it to find joy. <clears throat> and it came from this getting back in touch with first this understanding redemptive eternity the joy of God is eternal the joy of God was in the beginning in the middle and in the end the joy of God is not determined by accomplishment. The joy of God is Christ. Jude 24 says this in 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, who does that? Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. What's he talking about? What is God's joy connected to? You. You. And you. And you. And you. And you. And me. To present me blameless to himself. To him is joy, not a burden. Is this, like when you touch it, this isn't, and this is an eternal thing. It's not a burden to him. He didn't go, oh, she really didn't deserve it, but I'm going to bring her in too. Uh, she's a winner. Oh, and look at him. Oh, Peter, are we going to let him in? That's well, not that. Who wants to come to the marriage supper? It's a, it's a joyful invitation to come in. He presents us faultless to himself with joy. It's an eternal perspective. And he says, to God our Savior, who alone is wise. His joy is connected to his wisdom. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. He's presenting us to him complete and it's joy to him forever. It's eternal. 
Now, if you can imagine this, the joy in God is you eternally. Holy moly. We measure it so in life and death in this time period. That's what I had to go, this is what I fought through all week. This is like 50 year anniversary of stuff for me. Of great change in my, in my late teens, my young adult life. He just goes, oh Lord, I was there. And through it all, through it all, it wasn't my eyes on him. Through it all, Jesus had his eyes on me. When you were the five-year-old, it got smacked up beside the head and went to school and it was the day for class pictures and you had a swollen ear and a swollen face. God was looking at you with joy. When you were 18 and something was stolen away and you lost your ain true love. But it was real and it hurt. God's joy was gone. I'm going to present you to myself for all of eternity. Faultless, blameless, righteous, good. I made you and it was good. And I joy in it. Who? changes the heart's perspective for here. It, it does something. It uh, actually, and it's supposed to, it undoes us. Here's the weirdest thing. The joy of God can produce tears in you. It's supposed to. Because our response is not laughing at ourselves. Our response is, oh, thank you, my God. You found joy in me? Shoot, I didn't like me half the time. Took me 30 years to convince my heart that you liked me. (sighs) My gosh, such joy. If there's anything we want to pass on, listen, you teens, there's anything we can pass on to you. (sighs) It's not always do the right thing. It's always believe that God has a joy in his heart for you. And he'll see you through everything, the best of times and the worst. And he doesn't quit. Look at this from Isaiah. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Again, we're getting a glimpse of eternity here. God's letting Isaiah see into an eternal future. And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. God God sees us as a joy, not as a burden. Now, scratching his head, what am I going to do with that kid? He can get anything right. He doesn't think that way. I love this. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. A companion verse to this is found in Isaiah. It says, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, come with singing unto Zion, an everlasting Joy shall be upon their heads and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. 
the morning my mom passed in this life. That was the scripture the Holy Spirit reverberated. I didn't even I didn't know where it was at. I had to look it up later. Those were the words that I heard. And I wasn't even sure she understood what salvation was. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return with joy. His, whose joy? His joy. His joy. His eternal joy inside of them. Hebrews 12. Look at this passage. This is what, this is, I, I didn't get this until this week, you guys. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. You were the joy. You were his joy that was set before him, the eternal joy of I'm redeeming a people. I, I was, they belonged to me by the right of creation, and now I will own them by the right of redemption, and they will own me. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And he found that as the joy of God that gave him the strength to do the cross. Have you ever thought, thought how did he do it? Through all the, whether it was a Mel Gibson film or any of them, you just go, how did he do that? You. You were a joy that he knew what it was for. So eternity is both a reality and a hope. Um, even in the parable of the talents we see it. Of all the things, even our humanness here. Do you remember what the reward is? For the people that sowed the talents? Do you know what the real reward is? Enter into the joy of the Lord. When you're wise and invest what God's given you, he says, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your Lord. In a parable, he does that. And we go, oh, I don't understand what that means. Does parable mean money or? No, it means God, what God wants you to receive from him in believing is joy. Second thing, you don't have to wait for the day that you enter into eternity to experience it. Because the joy is God's joy. And it's this. I loved this. This is, I hadn't connected these for so long. When this started to happen weeks ago, I was going, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's in indwelling presence is actually the joy of God in us. John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, 
I also have loved you, abide in my love. When you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I'm glad I'm saved, but that's only half of it. Because I'm glad I'm saved, God puts his joy inside of me. It's like getting, a, it's like getting that, do you remember this when you go get hard ice cream and, and dad get, didn't let you get one scoop, he let you get two? That's two big scoops of Rocky Road vanilla chocolate chunk. It says not only with his indwelling presence, he not only is designed to make your life doable and happy here, there's something else. There's a strength that can enter into you for the most difficult of times because your human joy can't do it. There's so many times my human joy failed me. This is not a happy event and I don't like anything about this. Being with friends as they buried a suicidal teenage son was not joyful. But you see, that son knew God. And there was a joy in God inside of him that made it doable to even go to what they called a memorial service. That's joy. That in the midst of everything, there is still this anchor to the soul that is the exact opposite of the circumstances. The joy of God. Jesus in his prayer in the next chapter, in John 17, he's talking about, he's, he's praying He says, now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Wow. And Paul associates in his writings, as he unpacks the new covenant, that the indwelling presence with power is about the kingdom. And so joy isn't just about being happy. Joy has to do with what the authority of this kingdom that we're now a part of has. We want joy to be a response to something, and actually joy is a powerful tool, not in response to something, but in directive to something. Does that make sense? Paul writes in Romans 14, I think it's verse 17, he writes this. Do I have it up there? Yeah, I do. For the kingdom of God is not found in eating and drinking, but in what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Why didn't he say holiness? Why didn't he say mercy or grace or forgiveness? Because we all have forgiveness issues. Because one of the most powerful elements of the kingdom and the authority that we have is joy. 
Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, God bless him. I have, I have studied his exposition on Romans and you've gotten a bunches of it over the past eight years. And it impacted my life so much. He stopped at this verse. And this is why he said he stopped here and never finished the rest of Romans. He said, I don't understand what that joy is. He had, he had to stop writing one of the most powerful expositions, one of the most, I mean, of, of all the Christian ages. His expository on the book of Romans is read by more New Covenant pastors than anything else because it, it, he goes through it word by word. And he got to hear and went, I don't understand this. Well, you can feel sorry for him or you can go, I want to understand this. I understand that the kingdom is about righteousness. I think we all do. I understand that the kingdom is about peace. We're to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Joy? We kind of don't want to we want to understand it, and we don't want to understand it all at the same time. Why is that? I think it's the stuff I struggled with all week. The enemy doesn't want us to get this. God's desire is that we were filled with the joy of his presence. No age limit, no Barrier, no mental capacity, no how, how high your IQ is or how low your EQ is, doesn't have one thing to do with it. It has to do with the indwelling presence of God. And I am joyful. It doesn't mean silly laughing at everything. I have the joy of God inside of me. So if you can imagine this, I had this stern face. I've had it since I was a little boy. When I first went into ministry, everybody said to me, you're going to scare kids. Can't you smile a little bit? <laughs> the pastor's mother used to sit in the back of the church. She did two things while I was learning to preach. She would go, because I wasn't being loud enough. That's just the look she got on her face. I wanted to just go back to her. She would joyfully rip her out of her seat. <laughs> think pastors don't feel up here <laughs> but then the other thing she would do is she'd go here put the mic down because oh, no. <laughs> I liked the serious stuff it was my nature it was my personality I want to touch the power of God I want to tell him about you better get it straight or you're going straight I wanted to and I wanted wanted everybody to know it because I wanted to know it and I was seriously going after it and I seriously had to learn to let my face know that I was happy not to make other people that way and so for a long time I faked it yep I was going to fake it till I make it 
I was going to look happier than I really was because I was very serious and everything was really, really important. Do you remember Hook? The movie Hook? Oh, and Aunt Wendy and Peter's become very important. She looks at him and says, Oh, Peter, a grown-up Peter Pan. What's so very important about your very important? That's what I had to get in. Inside of me, do you know how I got in touch with God's joy? Two things. One was trust. And then the other thing happened about two years into getting my life turned upside down by the gospel of grace. I determined to celebrate life. Celebrate it here, not waiting for the eternal celebration to come, to celebrate it. And so it was during the 2012 political elections. And I've told this story before, but this is, it's so profound for me. I want it to be profound for you in a joyful way. So all the prophecies and all the church and all the mighty men who look into the future and predict it, and I'm being kind of facetious and snarky, but they all said that Mitt Romney, that Mitt was going to catch the ball in the catcher's mitt, and he was going to and he was going to triumph, and he was going to do this, and it was going to uh, overcome all of God's enemies, and this and that, and we all woke up the next morning, and he didn't win. He didn't win by a landslide. I got up that morning, of course it's November and it's the election time and Brenda and I were doing gardening again. We do a lot of that. Well, Brenda does most of it. I do some of the harder stuff. And I got the weed blower out and we're going to blow weeds out from under the viburnum bushes which always gets stuck under there. And so I went, I just decided right there early in the morning, I said, Lord, before I even start working today, I am going to set my heart to celebrate because I am going to overcome all this with joyfulness. And so I'm going to rejoice in you. So I started singing rejoicing songs. Went about my work and got out the weed blower and I'm rejoicing in God and finding the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to rejoice in you. And one other thing about my past, I always wanted to see angels. Lots of those people said they saw them and it all sounded goofy to me. And they acted kind of goofy, and I kind of didn't believe them. But I really did want to see an angel, except one time I thought it was going to happen, and it scared me so bad. I said, no, I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think angels are real, but they're a lot different than what we think they are. So I got out the, the leaf blower, and I get it cranked up, and I'm having to get underneath these bushes, and I'm down on the ground. <laughs> blowing those all out so Brenda can come by. She had the hard part riding the lawnmower to mulch up the leaves. And I'm blowing, I'm blowing. And I get over here and I look down and there are two huge feet like like this long, like 18 inches long, huge, huge feet that are bare and they're kind of a platinum color only they had life in them. I don't know how to explain it. It looked like metal, a metal color of platinum, kind of shiny. 
but they were alive. Now you think you'd fall down and go, glory, hallelujah, God is, scared the bejeebers out of me. You see two feet under the bushes, it's pretty weird, and they were big, like a lot big. I had big feet, and these things were like twice the size of my feet. I dropped the blower and went, ah! and my heart was going, king, 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 and I thought I was going to pass out. And I was just ready to say, what was that? Because it was a split second, and then they were gone. I would have built an altar to the, to the platinum feet of God. I would have, we would have worshipped. We would have moved the whole church to 5602. I mean, it's right there. I heard a voice that enjoined me with such joy. And this is what the voice said. He used a pun to make fun of words and liked what I was doing. The voice said, it's no small feat to celebrate life. But then I heard something that changed everything. I heard this laughter outside of me. And it was this rich deep joy that I attribute to the laughter of the Father. It was like Father Christmas cubed. And he was laughing with me and kind of at me. And he was poking fun at life. But he was honoring me because I had decided that I would celebrate no matter what. And he used the whole thing to produce a joy inside of me that became his strength. And that strength, yes, there's times where it felt far away and diminished. But most of the time, all I have to do is remember, you let me see angel feet and it was funny. You, th you thought I was really funny. You have a laugh. You're not worried about one thing. Matter of fact, you probably didn't even care who won the election. Oh, he has to care about that stuff. Mm, he cares about the kingdom. And he doesn't think in terms that you and I think of. And are big issues really big issues? Oh, yes. And all those issues were solved at the cross. Every human piece of brokenness has all been resolved and God is joyful he's not sitting in heaven going what am I going to do with that I'm going to have to go down there myself and straighten that bunch out I wonder if Oprah can put me on does God care about racism you better believe he cares about racism he died because of racism. But us, to, we're going to, listen, we can't make it legal or illegal. It has to become unthinkable. And that comes through conversion. We get a new heart. And then our minds can be renewed and we tell our mind, that's stinking thinking, stop it. And live out of a renewed heart and being, which is the joy of God. We cannot we cannot get where we're going that way. That's the human way of doing it. But there is a joy.
if we treated every human being with the joy that God has. I know, I practiced this week. Were you trying to earn something? Nope. Were you trying to prove something? Nope. I wanted to enter into the joy of my Lord. So I helped several other people. That's not, a, that's not that. I went, okay, I'll do my part. I'll break this. The whole thought of this, the whole idea of this. I'll break it and I'll treat everybody with the joyful presence and how God feels about them. And I don't know if it helped them, it helped me. It helped me. Instead of searching for where I'm wrong, I lived out of where I'm right. And that's what the joy of God is, is living out of what's right. That's who God is. Can I pray for you? Jesus, there is a joy in you, our Savior. It's an eternal joy. It's a strength joy. It's a kingdom joy. It's an understanding joy. It's a life joy. God, we ask this morning, fill us with your joy. A joy that can overcome the other thoughts that we have. A joy that can help us with our burdens. Help us with our life pain. Lord, I believe what you said. It's no small feat to celebrate life. So we put our foot down this morning and celebrate your presence in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Your hope and your joy are the same thing to you. Fill us with your hope, your joy in believing, just what it says in Romans 15, that we would be filled with all joy in believing, all hope in believing. I pray this for us in the mighty name, that name we sang about, the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God bless you, saints.